Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Episode 23, This Side of Paradise. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the compliance lessons learned from This Side of Paradise, which aired on March 2, 1967, and occurred on Stardate 3417.3. When the Enterprise speeds to the agricultural colony on Omicron Seti 3, they expect to find none of the 150 colonists still alive as the planet is being bombarded with deadly and newly discovered Berthold rays. Kirk, McCoy, Spock, and Sulu, and others, all beam down to the surface to speak with the colonists and their leader, Elias Sandoval. However, they find them alive and in perfect health. Too perfect to health, as Bones discovers, when he finds that now Sandoval now has a healthy appendix despite the fact that records show it to have been previously removed. Meanwhile, the colonist Layla Kalomi shows Spock the colonist's secret. Plants which spray spores that take up residence in the brain and in return provide perfect health and complete well-being. In addition, the plants thrive on Berthold rays. Sulu is soon given a similar treatment and remarks to Kirk, of course we can't remove the colony, it would be wrong. Alarmed with what he sees, Kirk tries to get in touch with Spock. However, it's too late as Spock is then frolicking with Layla. In the meantime, McCoy is also infected. Not only does he make himself a mint julep, but he also sends up hundreds of plants to the Enterprise. Kirk is beamed up with an infected transporter operator who is systemically, systematically rather, beaming down the crew of the Enterprise. Uhura has short-circuited all communications except to the surface. Kirk is soon the only one left aboard, and he too is infected by a stray plant left on the bridge. After opening his safe and looking through his content, Kirk becomes upset as one side of him wants to beam down and the other side is devoted to the ship. These violent emotions Kirk soon discovers drive out the spores. Subsequently, he has Spock beam up and proceeds to get him angry by calling him a mutinous, disloyal, computerized half-breed. Spock beams up Layla to explain to her what has happened, but the pain of finding out she has lost Spock causes the spores to be driven from her as well. Layla asks Spock if he has another name, and he only replies, you could not pronounce it. Spock prepares a subsonic transmitter, which will broadcast over the communications channel and provide a provide those on the planet uh, signals to become irritable and angry. Fights begin to break out, including between DeSulu and DeSalle, then McCoy and Sandoval, and soon the spores are driven out of everyone on the planet. The crew beams back up, and the Enterprise is free to continue on its way. Spock is back to his old self, but we find out on the planet he was happy for the first time in his life. Fun fact, the script was written, or rather rewritten, by Dorothy Fantana. Fontana. She was Gene Roddenberry's administrative assistant, and he told her, if you can rewrite this script, you will be my story editor. She became a story editor for the original series under the name D.C. Fontana. So what are the compliance takeaways from this episode? Well, first of all, 
Let's start with a fun fact in D.C. Fontana. She became one of the most beloved writers on Star Trek, yet she was stuck in the 60s working as Gene Roddenberry's secretary. So it clearly uh, presages the question, do you know the talents of your staff? Uh, Do you know what they can do? Do you know if they have other talents? And D.C. Fontana certainly was able to uh, utilize her skills to become a story editor for uh, Star Trek, the original series, Star Trek, the animated series, and the first two seasons of Star Trek TNG. Quite a um, step up, but really it was the use of talents that were she already had. So do you know the talents of your staff and what they may be able to bring to your compliance program? Second, do you continuously monitor? The uh, spores in this case stopped the colonists from actually achieving anything. They lived in a perfect world, but they actually did nothing. So do you continuously monitor? Because if you don't continuously monitor, your compliance program may well uh, suffer and the business risks may increase without your recognizing it. If you don't continuously monitor, are you going into new markets? Do you have a new product? Do you have a new service? Do you have a new something? Do you have a new anything? All of these can provide additional risks. And even if you don't go into new market, new product, or new service, the current products or services you had, and certainly if we take this administration's uh, OFAC and trade sanctions war against literally the rest of the world as a symbol, uh, your uh, risk can change uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, Risk can be threatened, or trade sanctions rather can be threatened, and then they can be pulled back. So what are your risks, and how are you going to manage those risks if you don't monitor those risks going forward? And finally, near the end of the episode, uh, McCoy gets in a fight with the uh, colony leader, uh, Elias Sandoval. And the fight is around what will be McCoy's role going forward. McCoy says he's a doctor and he doesn't do work. Sandoval says there's no ill health effects, so they don't need a doctor. So what's the role of each one of your team members, and can your team members take on multiple roles going forward? Certainly McCoy did not believe that he uh, could or should take over uh, any additional roles. And that sort of specialization can certainly be very helpful, but you may need uh, multiple players to take over multiple roles. Uh, some compliance functions of large organizations are able to specialize, but within that context, how much specialization do you uh, uh allow and how much specialization uh, silos these people from being able to learn about other compliance areas going forward. So do you rotate your compliance personnel through various aspects of your compliance program? If you're a solo CCO, I recognize it may be a uh, one-man or one-woman uh, shop that's doing everything, but what happens uh, if you have more than one people, and do you rotate so that you have uh, a good base or bench if somebody drops out, someone gets sick, uh, someone leaves the organization, and you can fill that gap uh, on, a, on a, not an expedited basis, but you can fill it on a temporary basis in case um, or before you can hire to fill that. So what is the, uh, the roles of your team members, and how do they 
train for other roles. I hope you'll join us tomorrow where we take up Devil in the Dark. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.